a listener production. Oh, hello, my beautiful listeners. Do you know what? Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to the Jess Robic Talk Show. Happy birthday. Can you believe we have been doing this podcast for a year? I cannot believe it. Thank you for all of your love and support. The beautiful messages that I get from you, it means the world to me and to my extraordinary producer, Nick McClure. This podcast is a labour of love. And what we're going to be doing in this episode is celebrating our birthday. I've always been a little bit sort of awkward about celebrating my birthday. When I was younger, I think I didn't mind so much. I like to celebrate my 16th, my 18th, 21st, of course, your 30th birthday. I remember having a huge party with a bunch of friends at a really fancy restaurant. And that was the last big birthday celebration I had. Because I think as I get older, there's a part of me that thinks, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to celebrate. I don't know if I want to be the centre of attention. And in a funny way, I think it's got to do with as well the people that I want to celebrate with. Those people that are in my zone one, I call them, the people who matter to me most, who make me feel good about who I am. You know, I don't need the big party anymore. I'd much rather put the attention on someone else. So if it was my birthday, I wouldn't be going woohoo. But because it's the podcast's birthday, I am going to say woohoo because it's about more than just me. It's about you. It's about the extraordinarily big hearted guests that we have had this past year. People that you know or that you think you know. And they've come on this show and they have opened their hearts in the most astonishing ways. And for that, I am so grateful. I have learned so much. And that is what I want to share with you now. What is it that I have learned this past year? Because do you know what? I don't think we ever stop learning. We always need to be open and curious about the world around us, about the people in our lives. I know that that keeps me alive, being open and curious. So let me share with you what it is that I've learnt or discovered by doing the podcast this year. All right, to kick it off, let me begin with my very first guest. And that was Carl Stefanovic. Come on, you know the backstory. We worked together on the Today Show for a year and it was a pretty rocky time and that's an understatement. Now, I hadn't spoken to Carl since I was sacked 17 years ago. He, though, generously agreed to come onto the podcast. There was a lot of water under the bridge and I tell you what, from my perspective, there was bitterness and resentment. And I don't like feeling like that because it eats you up. There's such negative emotions. But for me, I found it hard to move past that. There was always this part of me that felt heavy or I'd look at Carl's success and there'd be a part of me that 
dare I say, would feel jealous and resentful and, hey, why is that happening to you and it's not happening to me? And that's not a good place to be. But when Carl and I sat down together, we were both nervous. And I get sweaty when I'm nervous. I get sweaty armpits and I'd even put on my heavy-duty deodorant that's meant to stop you sweating. (laughs) It didn't, though. But do you know what? The most unexpected thing happened to me. It was uncomfortable, but it was open and raw and honest. Carl apologised to me. I didn't expect that. He got teary. I got teary. Because it takes a big person to say, hey, I'm sorry. I got it wrong. You didn't have a guy next to you who, who could have protected you and helped you in the, in the way that, that I should have. And for that, I'm, I'm always sorry. And I should have, I should have been more there for you. Um, so, you know, this part of why I'm here today is to, is to apologise to you. And I wish I'd been a better person and a better man and a stronger man, not just for myself, but for you. Oh, Carl. That's <laughs> oh, <no>, terrible. <laughs> I feel you. very bad about that. Thank yeah. you for saying that. Yeah. That means so much to me. Mm. It really does. Oh, I, I, you know, legitimately, you know, I feel, I feel, you know, genuinely sorry. Um, and, but at the time, you know, I, I wasn't a good host and, and, and I certainly wasn't a great co-host, you know. Don't you know, I'm not crying. <laughs> and hearing those words from Carl meant so much to me and I hadn't expected it to have the impact that it did. It lifted a weight that I'd been carrying. I didn't mean to be carrying it but it was there. It was my baggage and I felt lighter after our conversation. And for that, I'm forever grateful to Carl for his braveness, for his willingness to be vulnerable, and that he was open to saying, you know what, if I had my time again, I would have done it differently. So what a way to start the podcast. My darling husband, Petey was also one of my guests. And do you know what, listeners? It took some convincing to get him on. I really had to twist his arm and I kept having to persist. And he was reluctant because he's someone who he doesn't like to talk about himself. And what a surprise, he's married to me. I love to talk about myself, but Petey doesn't. Petey likes to put the spotlight onto other people. He likes to give other people their moment. But I was really passionate about wanting to show people that other side to my husband. Petey has the biggest heart. He is so caring. He is such a good, decent man. And I wanted to share that with you. So I got him into the studio. It had been an especially busy week for him. When my husband gets tired, he yawns a lot. So he's sitting opposite me and I'm like, come on, Petey, I need you to focus. So I'd start the interview and then he'd drift off a bit and he'd rub his eyes. And then I thought, okay, what can I do? I gave him a banana. He needed a banana for some energy. So I really had to work hard on getting it out of him because again, he didn't want to open up too much about himself. He still wanted to deflect and talk about other people. But once I got him there, we had such a beautiful conversation, a conversation 
where we were both in tears and I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that we'd cry the way we did. And what I learned through that conversation was I know how amazing Petey is, but you know what? It was a reminder for me of his goodness. Often in the routine of daily life, the grind of school drop-offs, cooking dinner, me having a messy house, all those sorts of things, sometimes you can forget about the magic of your partner. And so to be able to sit down with Petey and have this conversation, it was such an important reminder to me of how special this man is that I've married. It wasn't long after I came home one night and I couldn't wait to get home and uh, we had couches that faced each other in our living room in our then home and I said, how are you going? You know, expecting it to be all beautiful and beautiful little family with the cat and the new kid and our house and what else could be better? And you said, not not good. I said, what do you mean not good? How could you not be going well? And then bang, the floodgates opened and it was on and I thought, shit, this is very real. And I remember coming across and giving you a big hug and saying, everything's going to be all right. I know the best decision of my life was marrying Petey, but it was a wonderful reminder for me never, ever to take him for granted. Oh, my goodness. The moment when I got to sit down and talk with Keith Urban. Now, Keith is the coolest of the cool. I mean, he is a rock star. And I was nervous. I was nervous about sitting down and interviewing Keith. And I'd met Keith before. We'd talked before. But that idea of actually sitting down, talking to him about things that mattered to him really did make me break out in a bit of a sweat. I did spend a lot of time, obviously, researching But also, and I know I talk a bit about clothes and outfits, but I also thought I've got to really bring my fit, as my teenage girls call it, meaning bring my outfit, my A-game to this interview. So I wore a catsuit with leopard print. And do you know what Keith said to me? I like it. And so ah, some of those nerves settled as we sat down. I mean, you are so cool. You ooze You're the one that looks like you've just come from the cocktail party. Oh, well, thank I mean, you've you. just stepped out of the club to do this quick podcast. Look at you. Well, I'm meeting a rock star, so You're I thought I've got to wear awesome. leopard print and a cat <laughs> yes. suit and, you know, you know, bring my A game, so to speak. You always bring your A game, yes. Oh, thank you. And we recorded our interview in between The Voice. He was in Australia at the time as a coach on The Voice. So we were in one of the rehearsal rooms and we were sitting face to face and He opened himself up in the most phenomenal way. And I was really struck by how self-aware Keith is. He is such a wise man. I mean, if I could have Keith in my cupboard and just open up my cupboard every now and then and say, how do I deal with this or how do I manage this? How do I think about this? Because he said something that really stuck with me. I'd never heard this phrase before. He spoke about avoiding shine blockers. Don't be a shine blocker. And I'd never heard that term before. And essentially what it is about is 
Don't let people take your energy. Don't let people be negative ninjas and bring you down and take away that essence of what it is to be you. Don't let them diminish your sparkle. But the thing that really landed with me was that he said, remember, you can be your own worst shine blocker. And I thought, yes, how true is that? How many times had I been my own shine blocker? How many times had I had that negative soundtrack in my head about not being enough, not being quite up to the job, oh, being a failure as a mum, not being, you know, the right sort of person, all those sorts of things that we can often do in our heads. We've got to stop it. Golly gee, the amount of times I'm making things so hard for myself. I'm like, what am I doing this? That I should be like supporting myself here. Like I should be the first person to believe in what I'm doing. The ego gets involved. And I always thought the ego was just about grandiosity, but the ego is complete insecurity and pummeling me as well. That's ego as well. Ego is the fireman that rushes in to put out my fire and it turns out was also the arsonist that lit the damn thing. That is so good. It's a beast. How did you get so wise? How how do you just know these things? That's just, they're just things that I start to realise in my own life and I try and be aware of this little thing. And to me, I now use that phrase. I say, come on. Come on, Jess, don't be a shine blocker. And I even, I use it with my girls. So that is something that I really learnt. I'm someone who, as you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I laugh big, I cry big, I share it all. So of course there were going to be some tears during the podcast this year. And I've come to learn that crying is not a sign of being weak or being vulnerable, it's actually an incredible privilege to be able to be really present in that emotion, in that feeling. And there have been a couple of times when I have had tears with my beautiful guests. Something that really sticks out was when I spoke with Jackie O. Now, I've been lucky to know Jackie over the years And she is a powerhouse. She is the most influential woman, I reckon, in Australian media. She's also big-hearted. She shares so much of herself every morning on the radio. So you very much feel like you know her. But of course, we don't know everything. And I was really moved when she shared with me her hopes for the future. What I would really love is to, it's a simple thing and it's nothing to do with career at all. Um, I'd love to find a partner because I'd just love to sit at the dinner table with someone and have dinner. Uh, That's what I yearn for. And that's the thing I miss most about my my old life, you know. Sorry. Oh, darling. Yeah. Oh, I'm giving you the biggest hug, Jackie. And but it's a funny thing what we miss. It can be the littlest things, you know, and for me it's having that family time at the dinner table. It's like that used to be my favourite part of the day. So I don't have that now and I think I will get that back. But as I said, I want to wait, you know, a little bit longer. And 
to be in the moment with Jackie as she was in tears. I was in tears. Nick, our amazing producer, was in tears as well. And I think there's something incredibly special about being able to share those moments with people. And for me, that has meant so much about the podcast because I think that is how we connect with one another. It's how we feel understood. It's how we feel heard. And I think by Jackie sharing that vulnerability, it was also this sense of there are times when all of us have felt vulnerable or alone and dreamt of that time that we want to share with someone else. And I know for Jackie, there is going to be that time one day. I held Indira Naidu's hand as we spoke about her grief and the healing power of nature that has helped her deal with the death of her sister. And those beautiful big eyes of Indira's just filled with emotion and tears as we spoke about grief. It's just a sense of disbelief and why that you keep asking yourself, which when you lose someone isn't helpful because there is no answer to the why. You can go through it over and over and over. Why did this happen? Uh, Why didn't you get the mental health support you needed to get at the time? Why wasn't it enough to live for your husband and your daughter? I mean, come on, it was an amazing life you had. But if you stay in the why, it just drives you crazy. So you've got to at some stage, well, I did, accept this thing had happened and then try to find meaning in it. And the meaning for me was I had that time with her and we had amazing adventures together. So, yeah, that was how I found the meaning. And these are the kinds of conversations that are so hard to have. I find them difficult. So to be able to open up in a way with Indira was such a privilege for me, for her to share what she has been through meant so much to me and I know it meant so much to our listeners. Madeline West is someone that I connect with on so many different levels. She is a creative soul, she's quirky, she's a mum, She's got six kids. Oh, my goodness. I mean, to me, that's enough, six kids. (laughs) But also where we connect is through very much our notion of kindness and the importance that both of us place on being kind and how kindness is underrated. And Madeline shared with me her experience of the kindness of strangers. And this was something that made me cry when she shared how she was going through a particularly traumatic time in her life. She was reliving her terrible anxiety over a bus accident and she knew she had to face her fears. And the way that she was going to do it was by going back to where it happened. And she broke down in a very public place But this woman, who she didn't know, came along and was with her and stayed with her for most of the day. She hasn't spoken to this woman since, even though she tried to track her down. 
And it was such a demonstration for me of the kindness of strangers that we often invest in relationships where it's like a give and take. There's some kind of an agenda that's transactional. There was nothing transactional about it. At the end, I, I thanked her and I said, oh, can I take you out for lunch or something? And she just said, no, just, just be happy. And I don't even have her number. I don't even know her surname. But she was there for me. And um, it taught me the power of kindness. But what I learned through that conversation is, first of all, we never know what someone else is going through. We never know what someone else might be carrying. But also, we never know what our actions can mean to someone. That random act of kindness changed the course of Madeline's life. So never forget those seemingly small, or they might be big, things that we can do for people. Not even people we know, people that we might pass in the street, people that we smile at, and say, oh, gee, I love your energy today. I mean, I'll say that and sometimes people will look at me and like, oh, my God, who is that lunatic? (laughs) But I am very aware of the people around me and thinking, you know what, they might not have spoken to anyone today or someone might not have even smiled at them today. We all want to feel seen. And that is what that conversation with Madeline West showed me. Do you know what else has been such a joy of doing this podcast is not only the insights that I've got from my guests, from what they've told me, what I've learned from them, but also the insight that they've given me into their worlds. And that is thanks to technology. When we began this podcast, we were in the pandemic We were locked down, so a lot of the time, of course, we couldn't be meeting face-to-face. Thanks to the joys of Zoom and the interwebs and all the tech stuff, we could still have these incredible conversations. And it meant I was getting a window into these different people's worlds. So, for example, Osher Ginsberg. Now, he is someone who I've known for many years. We first met when we worked together at Channel 10. His story is just mind-blowing. But what probably didn't surprise me about him, one of the few things that didn't surprise me was how organised he was. He has his own studio at home because, of course, he podcasts himself. So he had these great headphones, a fabulous microphone. He was across it. He knew all of that tech stuff. Now, Danny Minogue, who I have had the biggest girl crush on, I don't know for how long, we also spoke to her via Zoom. She also was super organised. That doesn't surprise me. Here is a woman who I think has always known what she wants to do. And as she gets older, more and more, she bases her choices on, well, what brings me joy? That is how I'm going to decide whether or not I do this. I think joy is the most, you know, uh, valuable thing. You can't put a price on that. And it's been interesting, like, 
Just going into the, the start of COVID, there was the TV show that came on, Marie Kondo, you know, clearing out your, your space and how that affects the way you you feel. And it was when she put it into words, what sparks joy? And then if, if you start asking yourself that in everything that you do, from your work to what's around you, it, it's there. All those feelings are there. They tell you what you should be doing and you've just, you've got to follow them. I know we're about more than skin deep, but Danny was just glowing out of the Zoom screen. So she said all of this amazing stuff, but I couldn't take my eyes off that face of hers and those expressive eyes. And she was so generous and big hearted. Now, Jess Mowboy is another woman who, to me, exudes joy. There's just something about her energy and her vibe. But what was hilarious about chatting to Jess was I did this recording from home. Most of the time during the year, I've been lucky enough to come into the studios here and record so I don't have to think about pushing buttons and all of that sort of stuff. But I had to record Jess Mowboy from home. And my room where I had the computer, it is not soundproofed. I could hear my daughters carrying on like pork chops in the background. Petey, who, when he speaks quietly, he booms. He has this way of booming his voice through the house. And also, he's one of those people that likes to talk on his phone, but on speaker. So I'm hearing all of these phone conversations on speaker that Petey's ringing people. My girls are arguing, and I'm trying to focus on the amazing Jess Mowboy. And also, while Jess and I are talking, she was wherever she was. I don't think she wasn't at home. She was at a recording studio. There was a lovely curtain behind her, but it was a bit of a dropout zone with the sound. So we'd be getting going and then there'd be a bit of sound dropout and a bit of sound dropout. But Jess, being the wonderful professional person that she is, she just kept going while I'm trying to block out all of this crazy sound behind me. What, though, was the best bit of that interview, I thought, was when she was singing to me. Maybe just let me go. You need to let me go. Let me be the one that I need to be to grow. Let go. Like, don't forget it. Divine. Light. Glow. Let it. <laughs> oh, I know you're good and tell. Yes. I just adore you. Everything about you just exudes this beautiful joy and energy and confidence and you're just, you are magical. You're everything that your song is. Mm. So thank you for sharing and sprinkling some of your beautiful magic onto us because you lift us all up and you make us all feel so much brighter and better and I, I love you to bits. I think you're amazing. And and my boss lady just like that's exactly what you do. And I'm you know, I'm so grateful to have an have men like you to look up to. Um so thank you so much. Um I admire you as well and thank you just for being incredibly spirited and fun and courageous um and, and paving pathways for us. So thank you very much. Oh, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> You're incredible. You're an incredible woman. Thank you so much. 
Do you know another person who is pretty special is Curtis Stone. He's an amazing chef. I spoke to Curtis from his house in LA because we wanted to get great sound. Curtis broadcast from his wardrobe. Let me tell you, listeners, it's very tidy. Unlike mine, all the doors were closed. It looked very neat. But what was so cool was there was Curtis Stone talking to me about party pies and caramel slice while he had a lovely glass of wine while we were chatting. So that was a bit of a treat to get a glimpse into Curtis's life. Amazon Candace Warner really is a woman to behold. I'd love to have some of her toughness and resilience, but do you know what was super divine about Candace? She's got two little girls She couldn't find headphones, but she managed to find some Smiggle headphones. For those of you with little kids, you know the power of Smiggle. They have all those lovely smelly pencils and rubbers and pencil cases and lunch boxes, but they also have those headphones that have pandas and pussycats and raccoons and all sorts of things on them. So there I am chatting with Candace. She's sitting on her floor leaning against her bed with the Smiggle headphones on, bearing her heart to me. Yeah, well, I would probably feel like I've been rock bottom quite a few times, but every time I'm there, such beautiful things come of that. And at the time you think there's no way out, but you learn so much from those places. But to me, seeing that image of this beautiful woman, a mum, a superwoman, an Amazon combining really was something incredibly special. Another Amazon is Lisa Curry. I had wanted to talk to Lisa since I began the podcast because she is someone who just wows me in so many different ways. I was nervous talking with Lisa because of the enormous sadness that she's had in her life. And I was nervous about talking with her about it and not wanting to upset her too much. So it was a a balancing act, this interview. And Lisa, though, was so generous. So what did I learn from Lisa Curry? Oh, there is so much there. I think the main thing that stuck with me is to just keep going, to put one foot in front of the other. When you think you possibly cannot get out of bed, to just sit up, to put your foot on the floor, just to take it one step at a time. And here is a woman who is doing that. You know, you put on a happy face, you keep getting up, you keep doing what you do. You you know, I speak on the circuit and you stay inspiring and motivating and then walk out and fall in a heap. You know, just it's hard to keep that strong face on and I think it's it's I don't know I I've people say oh you're so brave you're so strong I don't feel it at all I just I don't know I'm crying mess half the time I'm a bit of a cry baby over anything there have been moments of conversations with people where I get goosebumps where things just sort of stop And there was such a moment when I was talking to Mitch Tambo. He's such a spiritual guy. And 
the moment when he gave me those goosebumps was when he was talking about how his songwriting, which he was doing in his kitchen, how that was helping him celebrate the power of his Indigenous identity because he was writing in his traditional language. And he spoke about how he could feel his ancestors there with him in the kitchen as he was writing his songs. I would get to a point and just singing and jamming out um, once I'd created the loops that I'd, I didn't feel alone anymore. Like I, I felt this abundance of spirit, like just fill the room. Like, I, yeah, it's hard to explain, but I felt like there was all these other like, I guess, ancestors and people in, in the kitchen with me. I had my eyes shut just singing because I would just layer the loop. I wouldn't do harmonies or anything. I would just sing over it. Like some, sometimes like 20 times would be that layered and I'd just get this overwhelming feeling. And I knew that it wasn't me. Like it was much bigger than me. And like through this expression, just opened me up to starting, I suppose, to gain this deeper understanding of the true power when we connect to our language. And I feel like everyone has that capability of connecting to mother tongue, so to speak. Sophie Monk is one of my favourite women. She's funny, she's honest, she's self-deprecating, she's divine, she laughs at herself. She's just fantastic. The other thing too about Sophie is she says it as it is. Sophie does love to swear and, as you know, I'm not a fan of swearing. and. Not a lot will shock me because my daughters do swear, even though I don't like it. But Sophie did leave me speechless. When we were talking about body image and what's sexy and what's beautiful and the sort of struggles that Sophie had had early on to accept her body shape. And I wish someone told me back then it's confidence that's sexy. Um, You know, I'll never forget once I was sitting down and I, you know, dieting and all that stuff and this lady walked in a room. She would have been size 20 or something. But I've never, I felt like I almost got a boner. Like she was so sexy the way she owned her curves and like sat in a chair and I was like, that's sex appeal, you know? Like it's confidence and... And that's what people are attracted to, you know. I think that's gorgeous. And essentially her point was, though, that this woman was so confident. She oozed confidence in her skin. And for her, that was what was sexy. And that was what almost gave Sophie Monk a boner. And that was what left me speechless. And there's not a lot that leaves me speechless. But Sophie Monk, you did it. You really made me go, (gasps) Where do I go with that? (laughs) Nazim Hussain is someone that makes me laugh until I cry. The skits that he does are just so funny. They're thought-provoking, they make you think, but they're also so cheeky and they're so gutsy. And I was really keen to talk to Nazim about his comedy and about how he makes his way through life. And what I learned through that conversation was the importance of faith in Nazim's life, how that helps him see his way in the world and how it gives him a sense of giving back to people. Bringing happiness to other people and making them feel the way I feel when someone does that to me fulfills me too. So that's a really nice thing that that I take from my religion, that um, serving others serves yourself. 
And I felt enormously privileged to have that sort of conversation with Nazim. We don't often talk about faith or meaning of things in our lives. And so I learned from Nazim to question, well, how do I make my way through life? Faith isn't big for me, but how I carry myself is important. The sort of impression that I leave on people around me is important. So what am I doing with that? Am I doing it the best way I possibly can? Anyone of a certain age, of course, knows Spandau Ballet. So you can only imagine my excitement when I got the chance to be interviewing the lead singer, Tony Hadley. It was gold, gold. I was dressed in gold. I wore my sparkliest outfit. But can you imagine my disappointment when he's a baby boomer, I'm a Gen Xer, he's not so great at technology like me, he couldn't see me on the screen. It was one of those typical sort of moments when, you know, older people get together and they're trying to work out, do you hold your phone this way and that way and turning it around? And it was so uncool, but I loved it because I thought, here is this guy that I had the biggest crush on as a teenager and he's got his phone upside down and he's walking around and I'm looking up his nose and he's trying to get it right and I'm trying to dance in my gold for him to see me. But anyway, we got there eventually, but it was a pretty special moment. You are a heartthrob still and you very much were a heartthrob in Spandau Ballet, like you were the spunky guy in the band. What was that like? Wow. Um... To be honest, I've never taken it that seriously. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I know it sounds weird. I, I think you've got to be very careful with fame. Fame's a, as they say, well, you know, old cliche, but fame's a very fickle thing. And, you know, you, you, you can't really believe the hype all the time because in, in this business, one minute you're up, one minute you're down, one minute you're being screamed at, and one minute you're not. See, that is why I love doing this podcast because you never know what each interview will bring. Julia Morris is such a fabulous woman. She is someone that makes me laugh, she makes me think, and she also makes me feel good about myself and who I am. So after we chatted, I left the studio feeling lighter. I felt empowered and I also had a sense of the best is still to come, that I'm not going to settle for where I am now. I'm going to use what I've learnt and keep going, keep pushing myself. And also, I'm going to stop explaining. I mean, I explain less and less the older I get because I care less about what people think. But Julia really made me think, no, you don't need to do that. Look at what you can do. You just keep on going and just wait and see what's next. There's a real confidence in knowing what you're doing. And I have definitely stopped explaining things twice. I think as I was younger, I'd be like, yeah, but it is because, uh, the, 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 you know, and they have a, this sort of desperate need to get, I, I am across it. Now at 50, I'm probably going to say it once. If you don't listen, there's nothing really I can do for you. Olympic champion Stephanie Rice is extraordinary. Now, I'm lucky enough to call Steph a friend. I learned so much, though, from Steph when we chatted. She is someone who is 
incredibly focused. I don't think I've ever spoken to someone who has such a focus on what she needs to do and how she can achieve it. She really taught me about the power of your mind, the power of your mind to psych you into something, but also to psych you out of doing something. What I loved about talking to Steph was that she taught me about using our minds to visualise something happening, to visualise something powerful happening, to take ourselves through step by step what it is that you want to achieve. There's so many um, scientific studies on the power of the mind and visualising and essentially you go through the same neuro patterns when you close your eyes and like daydream or visualise something happening as you do when you physically do it. Okay, we're not all going to be Olympic swimmers, but there might be something that you feel nervous about doing. You're going to be speaking in front of your colleagues. You're going to be going to an event or something that's very much out of your comfort zone. What Steph taught me was to picture in your mind each step of you doing that, what you're wearing, walking into the room, feeling positive in the room, doing the speech, doing whatever it is that you feel frightened of, but seeing you doing it in a really positive, powerful way. And I tell you what, it works. David Wenham is an extraordinary actor and I can't take my eyes off him when he's on the screen. He's someone who is able to embody whatever character he is playing. And I learnt through chatting with him about how those moments happen, how for him a great actor is about doing all your prep, knowing your lines but then almost discarding that when you come to be on stage or to be on set. So you're really present in that moment. All you have to do is two things, and they seem very, very simple things, is listen, listen real, think, think real. If you do those two things, everything else falls into place. And it seems such a simple thing, but I can tell you that 90% of actors don't actually do either of those things. And he said that is where the magic lies. He said it's happened a handful of times in his career and that's happened when he's been alongside women like Tony Collette, Nicole Kidman and Kate Blanchett. And he said it's almost this sense of neither of you are quite sure what's going to come next, but because you've done the work, You are there in that moment and that can take you anywhere. And isn't that exciting? I love that. I love that sense of being present. We're not all going to be award-winning actors, but more and more I think we need to be present in that moment. I try and do that. I juggle so much in my mind, but if I can strip that back and actually be there now, like as I'm chatting with you now, here I am with the microphone, I'm waving my hands around and I love it because I love to think of you there listening to me chat and I really hope that you're taking something away from this conversation. My eyes really opened up 
when I sat down to talk with Courtney Act. Now, I consider myself pretty aware when it comes to issues of gender and identity. I think I know it. Uh Uh-uh, I don't. Courtney set me straight. Perhaps maybe that's not the right turn of phrase, but Courtney really helped me to come to grips with the idea of what identity is about. I realised I had a lot to learn. And Courtney is just this beautiful soul. She's exquisite. You know, I'd taken a little bit of extra time with my makeup that morning, but I felt shiny and unkempt next to her. I felt a little dishevelled. And she was just extraordinary and so beautiful. I couldn't take my eyes off these blue eyes of hers. But she obviously is so much more than that. She is so self-aware, but also so honest and vulnerable. And as I said, I learned so much. I mean, there were some moments when I was clutching my pearls thinking, because she's very open when it comes to talking about sex, about what it means to have sex. And she also made me consider that there is so much in mainstream media that is about straight sex, you know, that sort of straight lifestyle. I didn't realise the impact that that has on kids who go, that isn't me. I don't see myself reflected on the screen. And Courtney very much set out to be that person that she was yearning for when she was growing up. And she continues to push boundaries, to make us feel uncomfortable, to make us question. Also as well, talking with Courtney, I sort of was grappling with, well, how do you identify? You know, I needed the answer. I needed it to be wrapped up in a beautiful bow. But she really made me think about, well, no, it's not about that. It's not about wrapping things up in a simple, easy-to-understand bow. I'm Shane and I'm Courtney and I think they're two ends of the same stick. And just as you might go to a red carpet event and you get your makeup done and your hair done and you put on a gown, I think that's all it is for me as well. Maybe accidentally I have two names. I think I would almost prefer if I just had one name because I think people see me as two different people when actually I'm consistently me. I'm just wrapped differently, I guess, on the outside. All right, you know I love the sound of my own voice, but I do have to wrap it up. I want to mention all of my guests. I wish I could because you're all so extraordinary. My guests, each and every one of you, have been open-hearted, generous, vulnerable, and you've taught me so much. And for that, I am forever thankful. So thank you and big love to each and every one of you. Of course, I must thank you, my wonderful listeners, because without you, there would be no podcast. It means the world to me to get your feedback, to get your messages on Insta, on TikTok, when I'm standing in the line at the supermarket, when you come up and say, oh, I love your podcast, or that was such a great interview. Do you know that means more than you could ever imagine? Because my beautiful producer and I 
we don't work in a vacuum. We work with you. This is a conversation with you. We want you to feel heard, understood. We want to entertain you. We want to make you laugh. We want to make you feel like you have a place in the world. And without you there, we wouldn't be here. So thank you so much. I cannot believe it has been a year already. Here is to many more years to come. I send you all of my love and thanks and stay tuned for our next episode. The Jess Rowe Big Talk Show was presented by me, Jess Rowe, executive producer, Nick McClure, audio producer, Nikki Sitch, supervising producer, Sam Kavanagh. Until next time, remember to live big. Life is just too crazy and glorious to waste time on the stuff that doesn't matter. Listener.